Hello, friends. I'm so glad you found me here at the Steward Project Podcast, but we have to start each episode with a little bit of a disclaimer. Because this podcast is focused on the intersections of service, social justice, spirituality, and self-care, please know that we will talk about some challenging topics, some things that might be uncomfortable, or some things that might trigger us. So I just want you to come into this space fully aware I also want to be very clear that I occasionally drop an F-bomb or two. So if you have young children nearby, maybe use your earplugs or make sure that they know that the person you're listening to is just really, really passionate. Here we go. Hello, friends, and welcome to another episode of the Steward Project podcast. In this episode, I want to talk about cultivating compassion, and I'm talking about this topic as it relates to my previous podcast on burnout. So if you've just listened to my previous podcast on the truth about burnout, you heard me talk about what burnout is, how it manifests in us, and what some of the symptoms are. And I promised I wouldn't leave you hanging, and that I would come back and give you some tools to help shift from burnout. Now, I did say that burnout teaches us some things, and it becomes something that we can use as a good opportunity to expose patterns that are no longer working for us, and then to put into place some boundaries and some decisions, maybe some rituals or habits that that serve us better and might pull us away from burnout. And one of the things that definitely pulls us out of burnout and can help prevent burnout in the first place is self-care. Now, if you've seen me on on social media or you have been anywhere near me at a presentation or a yoga event or anything like that, you know I'm a big advocate for self-care. Specifically, I talk about radical self-care. So beyond pedicures, manicures, massages, vacations, and face masks, (laughs) making sure that we're taking care of ourselves on a daily basis in some very simple but radical ways so that we can get to the root of what causes burnout, which might be just nervous system dysregulation. It might be the fact that we haven't slept enough, we haven't eaten enough, we're not hydrated, we haven't connected with other humans, we haven't moved our body physically. Right? So there are some very root causes of some of the symptoms that we might experience during a burnout. And if we can get to the root of those symptoms, then we can begin to make changes in our lives that might be sustainable and, again, help us move out of just surviving our work to thriving in it. So I'm going to talk today about compassion because I see compassion as the underlying foundation of self-care, specifically of radical self-care. And compassion is one of the reasons that we may burn out. So I see compassion as an all-encompassing thing in our lives that both leads us to burnout but can also pull us out of burnout. And some of you may know that I'm leading a retreat in April in about a month, April 15th to 19th of 2019 in Puerto Morelos, Mexico. And the focus of that retreat is cultivating compassion. I want to help folks build that that solid foundation of self-compassion that then leads to sustained, ingrained, and long-term self-care that then can prevent burnout. Because I've seen so many wonderful, amazing helpers, healers, and changemakers leave this work burnt out and then not come back in. And we lose too many good people from burnout. So I want to talk very seriously about how we can avoid that, how we can keep people in this work, how we can keep people thriving in this work, because ultimately that leads to better outcomes for those we serve. And isn't that why we're here? 
And when those we serve have better outcomes, ultimately, again, the goal is that our world changes. Patterns in families change. Patterns in communities change. Patterns globally can change. But we have to start by changing the patterns within ourselves before we can look to changing patterns for other people, for families, for communities, for schools, for other groups. So let's pull into what is compassion? When we look at the word compassion, when we break it down, com, C-O-M, is the prefix, and passion, P-A-S-S-I-O-N, is the root word. And the word passion actually means suffering. Think of the title of the movie, The Passion of the Christ, right? And I don't know if anyone saw that movie, but I, I think it was very long and it was like all about the crucifixion. So it was really gory and bloody and <laughs> painful. So that might be a good way to remember it. Passion means suffering. The word com, C-O-M, the prefix com means with. So the word compassion, the root of the word compassion means to suffer with. This is the work that we do when we're with other people, which is why we can pull into compassion fatigue. And when we're talking about compassion with ourselves, it's about sitting with our own suffering. Compassion is simply a way to relate to the suffering of others and our own. It's kind of like talking to a really sweet friend that you know always has your back. When I think of compassion, the visual that comes to my mind is my grandmother. She was an amazingly compassionate woman. She was my comfort. When I think about her, when I, when I vis- visualize her, when I smell Chanel Number no. 5, which was her perfume, everything in my body just gets nice and warm and melty. It feels very, very welcoming. It feels very calm, comforting, and I feel cared for. That is what we want to kind of imbue within ourselves regularly, that feeling of being able to melt into ourselves, be able to feel held and cared for and loved, even as things in our life might get stressful or overwhelming. And what compassion does is ultimately gives us the ability to take a perspective, right? It gives us the ability to take a new perspective on what's going on in our lives. Recognizing that we can't always change the amount of stress in our lives, we can't always change the amount of overwhelm we might be feeling, just given life's ups and downs, but that we can shift our perspective on those things and come into a little bit more compassion. We can respond with kindness and concern to the stress and the overwhelm and what's going on within us, rather than getting judgmental, rather than getting exasperated, rather than trying to give up. And I love the book Self-Compassion by Kristen Neff. And she's a researcher who has done scientific work on how compassion helps us. And what she says is that self-compassion allows us to feel others' pain without becoming overwhelmed by it. And this is, this is key. This, this is the magic of self-compassion. It allows us to feel another's pain without becoming overwhelmed by it. Now, if you've listened to my podcast on caring versus carrying, you know what I mean by this, right? That we can care for people without carrying them. And self-compassion is the main way to do that. Where we can care for someone, we can feel their pain, but we're not going to carry for them. We're not going to become overwhelmed by it. We're going to keep it in its place. Self-compassion allows us to stop judging ourselves when things that are challenging happen. Because so often when something happens in our life that's stressful or challenging or traumatic, the first thing we do in our brains is start to blame ourselves 
Or we start to say, see, this is why you can't have nice things. <laughs> see, this is why I never go outside. See, this is why I don't go on vacation, right? We start to judge, we start to demean, we start to kind of pull ourselves down. But compassion, self-compassion specifically, compassion for ourselves, fills up our internal reserves so that we can give more. Now, you've probably heard that term, you know, you can't give from an empty cup. Or kind of the opposite, where you want to pour from your cup into others. And I'm a big believer in that. But one of the things I want to make sure that we're doing is not just that we're pouring from our cup into others so that we just have enough to get by. What I want to see is our cup overflowing. And then we give from the overflow so that our cup is always full. And the only way to do that is if we really focus on self-compassion because it fills our internal reserves. And then we can give from the overflow. Sharon Salzberg, she's a meditation teacher, and she has a book called Loving Kindness. And in that book, she shares a little story about how salt is like the stress in our lives. Salt is the things we can't control. And every day we're getting a little bit of salt put into our cup. Now, if you take a teaspoon of salt and you put it into a cup, it's going to change the constitution of that water in the cup, right? You're going to be drinking salty water. But if you take the same teaspoon of salt and you put it into a lake, it may not affect the, the, the pH balance or the saltiness of that body of water. And the ultimate outcome of this story is to say that we can't control the amount of salt that comes into our lives. We can't control the day-to-day how much everything is coming in. But one of the things we can do, while we can't control the amount of salt in our lives, what she says is, Our true work is to create a container so immense that any amount of salt, even a truckload, can come into it without affecting our capacity to receive it. I want to say that again. So this is a quote from Sharon Salzberg in her book, Loving Kindness. She says, Our true work is to create a container so immense that any amount of salt, even a truckload, can come into it without affecting our capacity to receive it. And I agree with Sharon 100% on this, right? We cannot control the amount of salt coming into our lives. But what we can do is expand our container. And self-compassion allows us to expand that container. So one of the things we know is that when we focus our energy on helping others, right, when we are a helper, healer, or a change maker, when we're doing that often, we're giving, 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 we're caring for others, we're constantly putting other people's needs before ours, right? This is the work that we do. It's the work we love. Our passion drives us. But when we focus our energy on helping others, it can lead to compassion fatigue. And compassion fatigue is kind of like a starter of burnout. If you don't treat your compassion fatigue, you will burn out. And when we are experiencing compassion fatigue, our nervous system is impacted right? We're having the stress response of adrenaline and cortisol constantly being flowing through our body. Our nervous system is off. Maybe our brain and our thinking ability, our ability to focus, our ability to think logically, our ability to project into the future gets hampered. And then we might experience symptoms that are similar to PTSD, like nightmares, emotional numbing, maybe an exaggerated startle response. And again, if you listen to my burnout podcast, I talked about how there was a period of time where if my husband put his hand on my shoulder, I would jump, but I wasn't noticing it. That was an exaggerated, startled response, right? We might also experience decreased feelings of safety, 
increased feelings of cynicism and a disconnection from loved ones or community. And again, these are all signs that I shared with burnout as well. So compassion fatigue is just that starter that leads to burnout if we're not paying attention and we're not doing something about it. And that's where self-compassion comes in because self-compassion leads to compassion satisfaction. Now I'll say that again. Self-compassion leads to compassion satisfaction, which is the antidote to compassion fatigue. So when we feel compassion satisfaction, we might feel energized and happy and even grateful for the opportunity to make a difference in the world or to make a difference in the life of a student or a child or a family. When we are focusing on self-compassion as a form of compassion satisfaction, we also are going to pull into concrete self-care practices. We make respite and time off a priority, right? We're taking those mental health days. We're taking those vacation days. We're taking those sick days. And that's huge. I just did a presentation a few days ago to a group of housing specialists, folks who help homeless folks find housing, and they also run affordable housing. And these folks are on the verge of burnout. And I talked about self-compassion. We talked about some things that we could do to relieve ourselves. And when I talked about respite and time off, one of the things I asked the group, I said, how many of you take your sick days? One person raised their hand in a room full of maybe 35 people. Then I said, how many of you take vacation days? Three people raised their hand. Then I said, how many of you take your mental health days? Nobody raised their hand. Now, I've worked in some agencies where it is a badge of honor to accumulate sick days and sick hours or to accumulate vacation days or mental health days. Now, if you're doing that because you want to build into your retirement, right, if there's a financial reason to do that, mm, okay, maybe. But also, you need rest. You need respite. You need time off. So I strongly encourage you to take your mental health days, take your sick days, take your vacation days. And just as a side note, if you'd like to take your vacation days and come to Mexico with me in April, April 15th and 19th, we'll be cultivating compassion. <laughs> just got to get that plug in there. But truly, I am taking that as a respite for myself. I'm very purposefully taking that week to focus on cultivating compassion for myself and sharing it with other people. So taking time off is very important and it is a self-compassion. Sleeping, getting enough sleep every night, especially when you are a caregiver, is vital. Eating well and staying hydrated. Again, this is basic concrete self-care. And then creating boundaries. When we create very clear boundaries, both personally and professionally, for both our time and our energy, and that means saying no more often probably for most of us. Mm -hmm. Yes, I mean you. <laughs> I'm really talking to myself too. But truly, being able to say no and mean it and not feel bad about it. <laughs> Right? Not saying no and then feeling bad about it and then realizing, oh, well, I would probably do that thing better anyway, so yeah, let me go ahead and say yes. That, that's not helpful. But just saying no. Thank you so much for the opportunity, but no. <laughs> I'm learning that myself. So when we are being compassionate with ourselves, ultimately what we do is we give ourselves a little more credit for our impact, for our impact on ourselves, but also the impact that we have in the world. We don't take ourselves so seriously. We treat ourselves as we would a loving friend, right? We talk to ourselves as we would a loving friend. Rather than being our own worst critic, rather than punishing ourselves 
for some weird like martyr reason, right? Like it maybe if I don't eat the families that I serve that are hungry, we'll get more food. Eh, doesn't work that way. But when we're paying attention to how those symptoms of compassion fatigue show up for us, we can pause for a little while and try to figure out what do we need to create a different feeling in our bodies? What do I need to do right now in this moment when I'm not feeling well, or when I'm feeling fatigued? What do I need right now? And I'll tell you right now as I'm recording this, I need a, I need a glass of water. <laughs> I need a glass of water and a nap. <laughs> it's the end of my work day and I'm recording this and I need a nap. I'm recognizing that in my body. So after I record this, I'm going to go home, eat some dinner and go to bed early. <laughs> it's too late for a nap, right? I'm like that toddler that's, you know, you've already extended your nap time. It's too late for that. Just got to wait for bedtime now, kid. But truly checking in with ourselves, being mindful, right? Pulling into a little bit of mindfulness, checking in with ourselves in the present moment on purpose without judgment. How is it in my heart? How is it in my body? How is it in my head? Right? Like what are the quality of my thoughts right now? Am I falling into cynicism? And am I using that cynicism just as a way to relieve stress out of humor? Or am I falling into that cynicism as a way of seeing my those people that I serve as less than or as a problem? Pulling into that emotional numbing, paying attention to when I feel like I want to numb out. I'm a big fan of a dirty martini on a Friday night happy hour, absolutely. But if that's what we're doing every day, every weekend to numb out from the pain that we're feeling from our work, we have to choose a different option. Because addiction serves no one. And when we also know that when we're emotionally numbing, because we don't want to feel bad emotions, quote unquote bad, right? Emotions aren't good or bad. They're just energy. But when we don't want to feel bad, we numb out. The challenge is we can't be selective about what we numb out. You can't just pick bad emotions or negative emotions to numb out. When you numb out the feelings of quote unquote bad emotions, you're also numbing out the quote unquote good emotions. So numbing out ultimately just makes us feel kind of dead inside. And again, all of these impacts of compassion fatigue impact the work that we do with those we serve, which ultimately impacts the outcomes, which ultimately impacts the life of those we serve, that ultimately impacts our communities and our world. So I'm not saying this lightly, but if we want to change the world, we have to cultivate compassion. We have plenty of compassion for other people. That's easy to come by because we're passionate, loving people. We will do whatever other people need as long as it takes to get that done. But again, the challenge is if we're only putting out to get help other people, we're going to burn out quick and then there's going to be that turnover that those other people are then going to have to rely on someone else. They're going to have to tell their story to someone else. They're going to have to get used to someone else. They're going to have to learn someone else's name. And the flow of the work that we're doing gets stifled and stuck and pushed back. And I see that in a larger context of, of change as a, as a global community. We've been stifled in change because we haven't focused on our self-care and our self-compassion. We've been so focused on outward, outward, outward. And we've been told that focusing on self-care is selfish. Focusing on self-compassion is selfish. Focusing on self-love is selfish. But what we've been missing is that maybe we need to be a little bit more selfish with our time, with our energy, with our love, and with our compassion. Because when we give it to ourselves, then we have more to give to others. Again, we're giving to others from the overflow, not just from my full cup. And then when I give you some, I, now I have half cup. 
but my cup is continuously flowing over and just put your cup next to mine and you're going to get some of this. And then we're going to change the world because we're going to be sustained in this work. We're going to be able to do it long-term. We're going to have historical memory. We're going to remember what happened five, ten years ago. We're not going to recreate the wheel every five, six years. And we're going to keep our movements moving forward, progressing. And that's the larger context that I see when I think about burnout, when I think about self-care. And that's why I use the term radical self-care. Because it's radical to focus enough on yourself and to make yourself a tool for change. To really focus enough on yourself that you are stable and you are solid and no amount of salt, even that truckload, can impact you. And you're going to stay the course, you're going to be sustained, you're going to thrive in the work so that things will get done, things will change, things will shift on a larger scale. And that's radical. For me, I think it's our common humanity plus our interconnectedness helps us ease that judging piece, that, that bit of judgment that we often have, that negativity bias in our brains. Because when we remember that we belong to each other, we're all in this together, we're all on the same planet, we're all impacted by the actions of others, right? And I, I think about this a lot when I think about climate change and people who don't believe in it. <laughs> and I think, okay, well, that's cute. But when we can't breathe the air, that's going to impact you too, whether you believe in it or not. Right? When you can't drink the water coming out of your tap, it doesn't matter whether you believe in climate change or not. You just still can't drink your water. And we're getting to a place in our world where, you know, in the next 20, 30 years, we may not have potable water. We may not have air to breathe. We may be dealing with constant uh, weather crises and natural disasters, partly because we have for generations forgotten that we belong to each other. But I'm hopeful because I see us getting back to that. I see us focusing again on our common humanity. I see us focusing again on our interconnectedness. I see us focusing in again on being a global united community. And part of that, honestly, is watching some of the old racists die off. <laughs> it's watching people who were, were thriving in segregation go away so that the rest of us who know that we belong to each other, the rest of us who know that going together gets us further, are here now, and we're speaking up, and we're sharing what we know. And I am reminded by, of this every time I do a presentation, every time I record a podcast, because I often get in the back of my head, girl, who do you think you are? Nobody wants to hear this nonsense. Compassion? <laughs> Please. Right? I always get this thought of like, mm, nobody's going to want to hear about this. And then I share, and then I get people's responses, and it's, Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. This is what we need. Yes, let's get back to this. Let's get back to loving kindness. Let's get back to self compassion. Let's get back to remembering that we're all on the planet together. And when one person wins, we all win. And that's what compassion allows us to do. It allows us to pull into that common humanity, take that perspective, and to respond with kindness and concern for our human limitations. Right? We're all human. We all make mistakes. Well, some of us do. Some of us don't make any mistakes. I'm always right. <laughs> I'm just kidding, of course. But we all make mistakes, right? We all fall short. And we are all perfectly imperfect. That is the beauty of who we are as humans. As long as our, our challenges and our mistakes don't impact other people hugely, right? We might inconvenience people, but as long as our mistake isn't being violent towards someone else, 
there's always an opportunity for repair. And that's where self-compassion comes in. Because the work we do as helpers, healers, and change makers is hard. The work you do as a social worker, as an educator, as a teacher, as a counselor, as a therapist, as a parent, it's hard. And we can't control that all the time. But what we can control, again, is expanding our container, making sure that we have enough space to take in as much salt as we need for whatever period of time, but that we keep expanding so that we are not affected as deeply by the amount of salt that is being deposited. Sometimes it'll be a little sprinkle of salt. Sometimes it'll be a truckload. But if our container is big enough, because we've been practicing self-compassion, all right, we've been giving ourselves the things that we need as we need them. We've been setting clear boundaries. We've been taking respite and time off. We've been sleeping. We've been eating well. We've been hydrating. We've been moving our body. Then we are going to keep expanding our container. And that expansion is limitless. So I want to share that with you, that this is very important. Cultivating compassion is really the only way to do this. Thinking about where we need to go next and how we can begin to constantly make those deposits into our internal banks, do that basic concrete self-care, go a little bit deeper into some radical self-care, which would be like uncovering our own patterns, our habits that we've probably gotten from childhood as a way to protect ourselves from whatever adverse experiences we had in childhood, right? Being very aware of how it is that we are and how we operate and noticing what's working for us and what isn't working for us, and then being brave enough to change the things that aren't working. Because it doesn't take a lot of effort to stay in that comfort zone and keep doing the things that we know are producing negative results, and then just pretending like, I don't know how that happened. Or we can get radical, go really deep, all the way to our, the roots of our childhood, and pull them out. And remember that the way that we survived in childhood the things that we had to put in place to protect ourselves then, we don't need anymore as adults. And when we are have comfort and safety, that's when we can thrive. When we recognize as adults that we have agency, we have control over the things that maybe we couldn't control in the past, and that we can shift our habits, we can be very loving toward ourselves, notice those patterns that aren't serving us, create some concrete boundaries and shifts and then just change our patterns. And I say it, oh, just change our patterns. It's much easier said than done, and it takes time. And it's a practice. That's why I talk about self-care as a practice. It's always ongoing. It's always shifting. It's always changing depending on the situation you're in. So for me, self-compassion is part of my radical self-care. It's the only way I'm able to dig deep into my past and pull up those roots without like dying a slow death is being very compassionate with myself. Being able to talk to myself like I would a really good loving friend. Not being judgmental to myself, not being harsh, but being kind and being concerned. Taking that perspective, allowing myself to feel pain, but not be overcome by it. And reminding myself that I am making a difference in the world every time I show up with compassion, both for myself and for those I serve. So I hope that this has made sense for you. My hope is that you've been thinking about compassion or you've been working on your own self-compassion, how to be a little bit kinder to yourself. 
And if you still need a little bit of help on this end, you still need some help and support cultivating compassion, again, I want to invite you <laughs> to come with me to Puerto Morelos, Mexico, April 15th to the 19th of 2019. We will be doing yoga and sound healing and restorative yoga every day, as well as going on two excursions, one to an archaeological dig and temples called Ekbalam, and one to another cenote called Chiquin Ha, where we'll do a little ceremony with an indigenous healer there. And then on our last day together, we will have a sunrise ceremony on the beach, the white sand beach that's simply a block away, to release everything that we've come with and to unbind ourselves so that we can go back into the world refreshed, rested, and compassionate. So thank you so much for your time. Thank you so much for sharing it with me. Until next time, friends. Thank you so much for listening to the Steward Project podcast and sharing this space with me. Remembering that how we show up in the world matters. We're all in this together, and we belong to each other. Until next time.